Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Dave Neal, stand-up comic, host of Bachelor Nation News. It's Christmas season, baby. Welcome to Bachelor Rush Hour. Well, I've got news for you. I know you're waiting. Christmas is right here. Oh, shoot. We are in the final week of Christmas, six days away. Who's ready to start their Christmas shopping today? You guys like me? You're looking at shipping dates. You're looking at the weather. Oh, is UPS going to handle it? You get that... You know, that extra energy from waiting to the last moment. It's a tragic flaw, to be honest. We should all be doing our shopping early and be peaceful. But then again, nothing like a little Christmas panic. What size are Jack's feet? You know, you're just trying to, will will his chest fit into this? You're just yelling at other family members. You ever do that? You're like, all right, how big's Tony's head? All right, anyway, because you got to buy him a hat. You know what I mean? You need to know these things. There should be a... I mean, my family's not organized. I don't know about you guys. By the way, hi, it's Dave Neal. How's everyone doing out there? My family's not organized, but there really should be just like a sizing chart for everybody. We should all have a shared Google document that tells everybody's updated size, has everyone's Amazon wish... My, my wife's family does this. They have like individualized Christmas wish list. They are literally so much better at giving gifts than my family. My mom, God bless her soul, I think she still has a package on the way from when Reagan was president. She's like, oh, Dave, you're going to love this. It's like, you know, Hillary Clinton 2018, you know, merchandise. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. God bless her. It's just, they just, the executive function in my family does not exist when it comes to accomplishing tasks on time. But here we are, folks. It's the Christmas season. So blast some music, chug some eggnog. always tell people if you are if you are good at giving gifts make sure to give the best gift you can give it is free subscribe to my channel no the best gift you can give to those in your life that you love is to tell them say it for the people in the back is to tell them why you love them because we don't do that enough it's so easy for us to buy someone uh, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, some uh, some hood ornament for their car, but it's hard to look somebody in the eye and say, I love you, dad. I love you, mom. So do your family a favor, truly. Pick up the phone and tell the ones that you love out there, not just that you love them, but tell them why. They know, but sometimes they want to hear from you. God knows we all got that uncle or that dad who can't just look you in the eye and just say, I love, I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I understand. I, I empathize for those that can't do that. But we're here to tell you that it's 2022 for Christ's sake, Christmas season. And for Christ's sake, just share some love. Anyway, and also, don't forget to share it with the people that you might not even know. Maybe uh, people that are working during this Christmas season. Hey, we're working this Christmas season. Now we're do- we're we're going to be uh you know uh, sipping the extra bourbon in the rum in the uh, bourbon in the rum in the eggnog. Yeah, we're doing a we're doing the old t- uh, t- turducken of drinking. We're doing a bourbon inside a rum inside an eggnog. And let's just hope nobody has to share the bathroom with me. We may scrap this whole thing. To be honest, I don't know. So anyway, we have three fantastic clips for you today, but wait, there's more. Um, I'm not including one of my YouTube videos that it's not a part of this podcast. You can go get that. That's a YouTube exclusive. It's Gabby Wendy explaining um, her breakup with Eric Schwer and whether or not she would date Vinny Guadagnino, the fist-pumping uh, Jim Tan Laundry um, uh, uh, bro from Jersey Shore. So 
that video is just on YouTube, but I've got three pieces of content. The first one is Chris Harrison announcing he's got a new podcast. Have a listen. This is Bachelor Rush Hour. Chris Harrison, remember him? Two years ago, it's been almost two years since his gigantic settlement with the Bachelor franchise, his shocking downfall as the Bachelor host after defending, um, uh, I mean, it's a real layered conversation here, but he essentially was minimizing the pain that some people felt with regards to this um, antebellum themed party that it was exposed, came out from Rachel Kirkconnell's past. Do we get all that? So in sort of defending the company and the company's decision to uh, maybe not talk about it yet or wait for the right time and, you know, all of that, he was pretty much the one who fell on the sword and got fired and received a $9 million payout. It, it was reported there'd be a 50 or $60 million payout. $9 million, believe it or not, for someone in his shoes, not that much money. He probably sees half of that after legal fees, agent fees, and taxes, maybe less. And you go, oh, what could I do with three or four million? Well, when you make a couple million a year, and you know you could probably work another 10 more years making a consistent two to $4 million, this money's really not too much, which explains why he's entered the rat race in the podcast world. Oh no, don't get mad at me. Dave, are you kidding me? I could do so much. I totally understand. I could too. I charge $4.50 for my Patreon. I could use that money as well. But either way, he, like most or pretty much all of us, have the right to make money on our own to do what we want. And he's decided to do a podcast, which I think is a pretty smart idea because in the end, and I've said this before, the thing with Chris Harrison, just like the rest of us, no amount of money can convince you to shut up if you want to tell your story. I mean, geez, you can even see Casey Anthony right now on the Peacock channel is telling her side of the story 10 years after she was um, acquitted, uh, you know, in, in in her whole trial. I won't get into it now, but leave a comment if you watch that because I could talk about that for days. Anyway, so... Um, I'm, you know, I understand that there'll be plenty of comments from people saying, oh, geez, is this what we need? It's like, look, it's like you have a you have a buffet of food at a restaurant, and this is one more dish in the line of food. You can decide to consume or not consume. That's kind of how it works, right? So anyway, he announces, I have not spoken publicly for two years about this, and we're going to hear exactly what he has to say on his Instagram stories. He says, I think it's time we talk. The most dramatic podcast with Chris Harrison ever. And some people were questioning, is this an April Fool's prank? What is this? And of course, the most dramatic is kind of like, I don't know if he's trademarked it, but it's kind of like his uh, sort of saying that he had there on the show. And here's what the press release is. I Heart Podcast, Chris Harrison and his next chapter productions announce a slate of new shows and premiere the most dramatic podcast ever with Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison is back and he's ready to tell all as the host and executive producer of his new weekly iHeart podcast premiering on January 9th, 2023. Very convenient. Premieres a couple weeks before The Bachelor is out. So we'll listen to the trailer in a second. Let's read the rest of the press release. Chris Harrison, TV's most influential and highly talked about host who graced our living rooms for two decades, is back and better than ever. Together with iHeartRadio, the number one podcast publisher globally, according to PodTrack, a long-awaited podcast original original titled The Most Dramatic Podcast Ever with Chris Harrison will premiere on January 9th. Listeners can hear the official trailer now. For decades, Chris Harrison was the voice of all things love and relationships. From fantasy suites to dumpster fires, he's seen it all, and now he's bringing 
to you with the most dramatic podcast ever with Chris Harrison. Fans can expect to hear Chris open up like never before. Using his unparalleled expertise, he will dig into all things relationships every week. Fans will no longer just be going along for the ride. They'll be up close and personal with Chris as he navigates through dating, marriage, love, loss, and more. For the first time ever, Chris will discuss everything, and there's no telling what he will have to say. This marks Harrison's first podcast and is part of a slate of shows he will executive produce alongside his fiancée, Lauren Zima, and their next chapter productions for iHeart Podcast, the most dramatic podcast ever with Chris Harrison distributed. Okay, so lots going on there. So not only is he launching a podcast, he's launching a podcast network, which is kind of a smart thing to do because as the podcast network can bring in money, you know, you can have different people, uh, you know, maybe maybe have a Michelle Young podcast. I hear she's going to be looking for work, whatever the case may be. So the comments, Zach Clark says, yo, legit, congrats and keep going. Lauren Zima with the hearts. Raven Nicole, yay, can't wait to listen. Lace, can't wait. Ben Higgins, I'll subscribe, listen, follow. So pumped for this. And so on and on and on. And in most cases, um, it appears that most alumni are supporting Chris Harrison. Um, you know, people are uh, all over the place, kind of just like we are politically with the Chris Harrison firing. I personally, after having done extensive thinking about the about the matter, and um, I, I kind of stand on the side of I would have rather heard his um story continue to be told through educating those that also didn't know what was wrong with the different things that were happening and the different changes that are being made to society. I think in a lot of cases, what we have now is a rush to um, have people removed from their position when I don't know if there's any studies uh, that show that that actually helps progress the overall uh, views of society. So with that said, I mean, if the overall idea is that collectively we can receive more enlightenment, more education, more growth. I don't know if removing him and putting in somebody else like Caitlin Bristow and, and um, uh, who's it? Who's she with? Tasha Adams? Were they the host? I don't remember anymore. Or, uh, or, um, or Jesse Palmer. Did that make us more aware to any situations or was it kind of just like a, you, you know, we can no longer have you here because enough people complain to our sponsors, which again, I don't know if that's the growth that we, we actually are looking for or just punishment, you know? So anyway, who knows? I don't. Okay. So let's have a listen to the one minute, seven second clip, the introduction for the new podcast premiering in January. We get a roll. We're ready. Audio's good. Do you feel ready? <sighs> I think. Audio's Okay. You can tell that the audio is good, but the room's not sound treated. It's a little echoey, to be quite honest. Um, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I have not spoken publicly for two years about this, and I have a lot of thoughts. And I've, I think about this every day. Truly, every day of my life, I think about this and what I want to say and how important it is that I speak to everyone for the first time. And, it, and it's one of those things, again, we'll jump right back into it. Think of it this way. You know, to, you know, to have some uh, grace for people in this situation. If you look at someone like, imagine if your dad got fired from his job because he, 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 um, he was arrested for drunk driving, just using drunk driving. I mean, it's a horrible thing. You know, it's super illegal. You can kill people. You know, it's not good at all. Um, but after 20 years of doing his job and maybe, um, maybe his audience now looks at him with shame, it's his chance to kind of get back out there, talk about what he's done after dropping and, you know, shattering his career. I like retribution. I like when we see former sitcom stars talk about overcoming their drug addiction. I like those types of things. We'll have to see if we get that here. So 
It's heavy. It's really heavy. Um, we'll see how it goes. We may scrap this whole thing, to be honest. I don't know. But I think it'll be cathartic. I'm looking forward to getting this off my shoulders and repairing this, moving forward, and letting everybody hear from me. So we ready? We're ready. Okay, let's do it. Let's see what happens. All right, first episode. Here we go in three, two. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the most dramatic podcast ever. I'm Chris Harrison. I think it's time we talk. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll be listening. This is good for me. There are so many podcasts that have um, disappeared this year from uh, Bachelors in the City to, um, I think, Talking It Out. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Becca Kufrin and Michelle Young. Uh, so uh, we, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be interesting. I didn't have this on my 2022 bingo, but just in the nick of time, Chris Harrison. By the way, I love when he says, I think we might scrap it. This might go on my soundboard. We may scrap this whole thing, to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to save that line. We may scrap this whole thing, to be honest. I don't know. Now, Bachelor Nation loves eggnog, and they also love some tea. And a stranger, or not a stranger to tea, is Cassidy Timbrooks, who loves to blast people on Twitter. So here's Cassidy from Clayton Season throwing some serious shade at Kelly Flanagan. Have a listen. As you guys know, we've covered Cassidy Timbrooks quite extensively because of the amount of tea she's willing to publicly put out there. Just a quick reminder of the different videos we've made over the last year. Now, Cassidy was on Clayton Eckerd's season of The Bachelor. She was unceremoniously sort of kicked off, um, you know, after admitting she had a friends with benefit, which again, not a problem in my book. You had a friends with benefit, then you met a guy, then things work out with the guy, you get rid of the friends with benefit. If not, you go back to the friends with benefit. Seems like a perfectly fine transaction to me. Either way, um, here's a few of the videos she made. She made a video demanding that men fill up her gas tank. Or I should say we made a video, uh, which again, you know, just snark. She said, not saying all men owe us a tank of gas, but definitely heavily implying that if they were to offer to buy us a full tank of gas, it would be mis mis misogynistic and frankly, outright problematic to refuse what you are. I'd go so far as to say inherently owed. At least, at very least, she speaks pretty good English here, um, or she writes pretty good English. And then she, of course, railed on Kayla. This was a pretty big video eight months ago. Bachelor villain Cassidy slams Kayla Quinn for her shocking and insensitive snake removal video. I mean, yeah, you don't just kill a snake and put it on Instagram. A, a perfectly harmless snake. She said, I'll never not be critical of the completely out of touch and exorbitantly wealthy doing out of pocket, completely insensitive stuff and thinking they can sweep it under the rug. That's a flipping promise. And I'll tell you what, say what you want about Cassidy. She delivers on that promise, calling others out. We'll get to what she said about um, Kelly Flanagan in a second. She also called out Gabby for having Nate's back and they old Nate gate. And then she talks about quitting her job and got stiffed by Bachelor in Paradise. Apparently she was like ready to board Bachelor in Paradise and then they never called her. Um, she also slams Bachelor Nation influencer lifestyle. She says, I've gotten to really know a lot of the people who follow me and I've got to say, I can't believe how many people try to turn momentary fame into a check. Now I disagree with Cassidy here that it's a sort of problem to turn momentary fame into a check. I always say, use whatever tools you have to increase your wealth or business or whatever. As you know, I, I always say, try to keep it ethical if you can. Don't go using your bachelor fame to like, you know, bankrupt others in whatever pyramid scheme you have. But of course, Kelly Flanagan is the perfect sort of um, 
free capitalist on her Instagram. She's promoting Grey Goose and this and that. Hey, what's this? I mean, and I'm all about it. Go for it, Kelly. Get your money. If you'd rather do this over serving uh, as a lawyer, there is no shame in the game as far as I'm concerned. If your audience decides they don't want to follow you anymore because all you do is post ads, that's part of the economy, right? But here's what people have a problem with, namely Cassidy. Kelly posted this on her Instagram stories. Maybe it was deleted. Maybe it expired. I'm not really sure. She said, sad girl, lost my wallet in either two of my Ubers today, and neither one of them speak English to try to help. Now, my first thought was, I don't think that was proper English. Uh, let me try to, lost my, now we have a lot of uh, English teachers that are getting, uh, you know, English boners right now as you get excited to correct me, but let's try to, let's try to correct this. Lost my wallet in either two of, of my, and wait, Lost my wallet in either two of my and Ubers today, and neither one of them speak English. Neither one of them spoke English, or neither one of them speaks English to try to help or to try and help. Either way, I don't know. Um, complicated, uh, at the very least. And of course, it's kind of like, I understand how this can, this can come off. To, this is one of those, like, why don't you just speak English type of things? We have to remind people, we don't live in a country with a national language. It's not English. There's a, a majority of people in our country that speak English. If you live in a city like Kelly's, you know, she's from Chicago. She should understand this, right? That there's plenty of languages that are spoken depending on what pockets of the city you're in. I live in a, I live in a traditional Mexican neighborhood. Three miles away is a traditional Chinese neighborhood where all the signs are in Mandarin and that's a beautiful thing to have different pockets of diversity all around. I came from little Armenia, little Bangladesh. We have Tokyo, uh, you know, all this. This is a good thing. But what that means is communication can be tough. But I don't think if somebody leaves their wallet in somebody else's place of employment that they should have to then speak the customer's language. We understand that, right? I'll share a personal story in a minute about an experience I had with someone who left a phone in my car as an Uber, as a former Uber driver. So she has this whole thing. Uh, this is all Uber is giving me. So I'm not going to allow to contact him anymore, even through text. So uh, Uber responds to Kelly's complaint. Thanks for clarifying that to me. I just checked and your driver hasn't responded to our message yet. We have already reached out to your driver, Ehab, about your wallet three hours ago. We told him it's very urgent. Asked him to call you at dot, dot, dot to coordinate a re return once he, once he finds it. Um, and she said, okay, is he responding or can you give me his number? And I can understand Kelly's frustration too, that there's a middleman here. The Uber support says drivers come from all corners of the world. And for some English may not be their first language. They can translate our message th though in text you. Since the driver doesn't speak English, we suggest sending a text message instead. As much as I would like to help you due to our privacy notice, I'm unable to share the driver's number without his permission. And you can understand why, right? You can understand if a driver has to deal with an unruly passenger and kicks them out, um, you know, the, the last thing uh, you would want is for Uber to give your personal information to these pat to the passengers. You can understand how this could be a problem. I think I don't think Kelly understands the protecting of the drivers is pretty much the most important thing here because no one's going to want to drive for your company if you don't protect them. And if drivers already have had so many issues with, and of course, don't get me wrong, passengers as well. It's a delicate situation, but you know, it's a very vulnerable place to be driving people around drunk and you know, dip people late for their flights and this and that. It can be a very tough situation for the driver. Someone who's 
barely making minimum wage. Trust me when I say that. When you deal with the expenses of Uber, you're barely making minimum wage. Cassidy says, she's so brave for this. So Cassidy responded with snark. And then again, Cassidy responded to her response and said, also, sorry, I'm obsessed with this, but any recommendations is sending me like, what do you think people will recommend? LOL. And then Cassidy said, hate when people don't speak enough English to help me solve problems they had nothing to do with. Again, each of these criticisms is valid. I think some people um, commenting on this said, hey, Hey, Cassidy, maybe one slam. You know, is this a three tweet worthy slam? But either way, each one of those, or it's like collect, you know, workshop which of these you want to have as your, you know, your uh, your uh, final slam. Because as we know, with efficiency of words, sometimes less is more. Like one of these, boom, would have been good, but three, maybe too much, but that's okay. Hey, she's allowed to do this. So anyway, it's interesting with Cassidy is I can't believe her followers haven't grown. She's at 11,000 on Instagram. She really comes from the the post-Instagram generation that's not performing as well. Now, don't get me wrong. You have people like uh, Susie, uh, Susie Evans and others that have gotten in the mid, mid, you know, half a million range, but 11,000 is paltry for going on a, re- a dating show and really not getting much out of it. She doesn't get paid and now she doesn't even get an influencing sort of, uh, or I, although she did say she wouldn't uh, monetize her account. I, I think that's a bad, I think it's, I, I would, I would never say never is what I like to say, because, you know, you know, we're, we're moving to a world where, where influencing is not going away, even if Instagram is going down a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but like the budgets for content creation and social media is through the roof for companies. They want to reach niche audiences, which is why channels like mine can do so well, because we have a very specific and loyal niche audience. And speaking of our loyal and niche audience, don't forget we have our single mom of the day. It's our final one. Last chance to get presents before Christmas. Link in the comments section if you want to donate to our single mom of the day. So yeah, Kelly, I mean, Kelly is from the golden age of influencing. She really is. She's kind of from that Hannah Brown age. She's got 791,000 followers. She was never even a finalist on the show. Uh, Let's go to her Instagram stories and see if there's any updates. Here she is in Central Park. Beautiful Central Park. If you want to check out our trip to Central Park, we've got it. Link in uh, the comment section if you want to check that out. There's um, Pilot Pete getting some hot chocolate. There it is. Very beautiful. Holding hands. Very nice. There's Kelly and Pilot Pete. I don't I don't know if she found her wallet or maybe he's footing the uh, bill there. So there they are in Central Park, one of the most beautiful places in the world to be, let alone during the Christmas season. So anyway, I guess Ref Dave, you know, when I adjudicate experiences uh, with Cassidy slamming Kelly, I, I understand that Kelly provided Cassidy with... Um, some ammo here doesn't mean Cassidy needed to take the shot, but all fair. Now, my one story as an Uber driver with an irate passenger, a passenger left their phone in my car. You have to understand the only time you make money as an Uber driver is when you're driving idle time. You get paid very little so that the, the bulk of your money is made. How many miles you're driving? If you have a 10 mile drive that takes you three hours because of traffic, you're not going to make that much money. But if it's non-traffic hours, 10 miles, you can be, you can make that money real quick. Well, it was late at night. The only time drivers work late at night is because you can get paid more money because of surge pricing, because People are getting out of the bars. They're spending money going to and from dinner. So that's a good thing. It encourages drivers to be on the road. Well, I had a passenger completely wasted leave their iPhone in my car. By the time I had noticed and they had noticed, I was already on the other side of town, probably half an hour drive away. And they were adamant that I returned their phone right then when it was probably 1130, 12 o'clock at night, which is 
approaching a peak time to work. The reason you leave your families and get out of bed at those hours and put yourself at risk with drunk drivers is because you can make two, three, four times as much money. It is not the time of day where you drive someone's iPhone back to them. So my response to them was, when the rush is over at 2 a.m., I can return it to you then, or I can leave it somewhere, and then you can go pick it up. And they were like really upset. Why are you holding my iPhone hostage? And it's like, look, buddy, it's not my problem to resolve right now. I'm not, I don't get paid it's just like this Uber driver doesn't get paid to return her wallet. What the Uber driver can decide to do is, you know what? I'm just going to stick it in a UPS box or I'm going to stick it in, in the mail station or I'm going to leave it with a fire truck. They can decide to leave it somewhere and let it be someone else's problem, which is probably way more dangerous than just holding on to it and getting back to her a couple hours later when they safely can. So I'm always on the side of the worker here who's just trying to make their money in a freelance job where they don't get paid to solve Kelly's problem. It's like, Kelly, this is a you problem. This isn't a driver problem uh you know how it ends you know sure i mean morally speaking it'd be nice to try to get someone's thing back to them but also like i said they don't get paid to do that and if you live in a world like um geez it's such a dumpster fire out there we had to return a package to amazon and that we they for whatever reason we had to go to the whole foods where the amazon was located and the amazon uh p- the person who worked there just like flat out quit so we were waiting at 6 30 maybe 6 15 p.m for a for an amazon person to show up to work the station at whole foods and they just weren't there nobody knows what happened but i was like look i don't I don't blame people for maybe rage quitting their job that doesn't pay well. I don't blame people for saying, ah, enough is enough, or this isn't set up well. You know, it's like you get what you pay for, and this is what you get. You want a freelance economy where we hire Ubers because we save a few bucks? Well, they don't care to return your stuff because they're just trying to scrape by and make money so our friend over here who drives an Uber can have a couple presents under the Christmas tree. And our final clip of the day that you can get on this podcast, but by the way, as as I said before, the Gabby windy uh video is on youtube only so go check that out but uh and for no reason other than we've had a lot of content today so we couldn't share it all but this final one is a non-bachelor piece of content yeah as you may know i've been covering the johnny depp v amber heard defamation case that took place earlier this year well uh amber heard lost that defamation case to tune of 10 million dollars and had an appeal going but it was announced today from her side and johnny's with different spinning arguments that she's no longer she's dropping the appeal and she's settled for basically owing him and his charities a million dollars. So let's hear what both teams, Johnny's and Amber's have to say. So let's jump right into it. Amber, Johnny, settle following defamation lawsuit appeal. So this, of course, after she lost several months ago, she filed an appeal and it was going to be this ongoing process. She had um, an an insurance company that was backing her. I mean, to what extent, we don't truly know. Uh, But here's what the article has to say. And I'm going to get to their individual statements, which basically, you know, they've both spun it in a way that looks makes them look like the winner here. Amber and Johnny have avoided yet another court appearance after settling their latest round of litigation. Johnny Depp originally filed a defamation claim against Amber Heard in March 2019 after Heard published an op-ed in the Washington Post in which she described herself as a public figure representing domestic abuse. Earlier earlier this year, following a protracted trial, a Virginia jury ruled that Depp and Heard had defamed each other. Heard by publishing the op-ed in Depp via a statement made by his attorney in which Heard was accused of perpetrating a hoax. Now, of course, the people that want to side with them, that want to spin it as Amanda, uh, excuse me, as Amber Heard was a winner here, will say, oh, they both kind of won. But clearly, 
Johnny won a lot more of damages than than Amber. And also the question we've all been asking, if he won the defamation lawsuit, how could she have also won? You know, either either one person was lying or, or not. You know, Amber was ordered to pay Johnny $10 million in damages and $5 million in punitive damages, the latter sum of which was knocked down to $350,000 to comply with a statutory cap. Depp was ordered to pay her $2 million. So essentially, 15 million v. 2 million uh, the following month, Heard filed a notice of appeal with her attorney citing errors made by the court. However, it appears the Aquaman actor has now agreed to withdraw her appeal, basically uh, withdrawing an appeal before it was thrown out. Did they see writing on the wall that this appeal had no legs? Maybe. Um, if anything, what we got to realize is that money can't always buy competent lawyers. Amber's lawyers really didn't do a good job. They didn't do her any favors in this in this court case. In a statement posted on Instagram announcing the decision, Heard made clear that there are no restrictions or gags with respect to my voice moving forward and blasted the U.S. legal system for turning her testimony into entertainment and social media fodder. And the response from people just like myself when I was featured in that you know Ireland Today show, whatever the hell their you know, morning show was, they were like, how come this has to be public? And it's like, well, partly because in a defamation suit, you're suing someone because you feel like they lied about you in a public way. So you would think that the trial should be public. That way you can like restore your name. What's the point of restoring your name in private? I don't know. That's just my thought with it all. She also compared her experience of the U.S. legal system to the U.K., where Depp sued British tabloid The Sun in 2020 for calling him a wife beater in an article. Amber Heard was a chief witness for The Sun. In that case, the judge called the allegations substantially true and found in favor of The Sun. Now, of course, what we know in hindsight is that the judge was somehow related to somebody who worked at The Sun. I mean, the type of thing that probably would have been thrown out in a U.S. court system, you would think. I mean, there was definitely um, some some dodginess there amongst the elites making decisions. In a statement, reps for Johnny Depp said that as part of the settlement, so this is the new issue, uh, we're just recapping everything, as part of the settlement, Amber has agreed to pay the Pirates of the Caribbean actor $1 million via her insurance company. The sum is a significant discount from the $8 million ordered by the court. We are pleased to formally close the door on this painful chapter for Mr. Depp, who made clear throughout this process that his priority was about bringing the truth to light, said Depp's attorney Benjamin Chu in Camille Vasquez. The jury's unanimous decision in the resulting judgment in Mr. Depp's favor against Ms. Heard remained fully in place. The payment of of $1 million, which Mr. Depp is pledging and will actually donate to charities, reinforces Ms. Heard's acknowledgement of the conclusion of the legal system's rigorous pursuit for justice. Very interesting. They threw a jab there at Amber Heard, says Mr. Depp is pledging and will actually donate the money to charity, versus, of course, Amber saying she had donated money and then said she had pledged to donate the money but never actually did, even though she had several years to donate before she was then sued by Johnny. So, okay. And, of course, that's probably the biggest reason why people don't support Amber is that she lied to people's face and said she donated money to the children's hospital, and she never actually did. And of course, that's kind of hard to overcome when you're just blatantly lying like that. As we like to say in the world of the Dave Neal Show, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. So here's Amber's statement. After a great, and by the way, this statement right here by Johnny Depp makes him look really, really good. Not only is he lowering the money she needs to pay, but that money will then be donated. Clearly showing, I don't want your money. I This is about respect. This is about honesty, truth, those types of things. Um... 
And again, a lot of people have, you know, I've been accused of, of being pro-Amber, of being pro-Johnny. We're all so busy to see what side everyone's on. If you guys watch my the timeline of videos of, of when I covered this case, I said I wasn't going to choose a side till I at least got to hear Amber on the witness stand. I wanted to hear both Amber and Johnny on the witness stand, and then I would decide who I think was going to win this. I still didn't think Johnny would win because it's very hard to prove defamation, uh, and yet it, it unanimously was proven here. Um, so anyway, here's Amber's full statement. After a great deal of deliberation, I have made a very difficult decision to settle the defamation case brought against me by my ex-husband in Virginia. It's important for me to say that I never chose this. I defended my truth, and in doing so, my life, as I knew it, was destroyed. The vilification I have faced on social media is an amplified version of the ways in which women are re-victimized when they come forward. Now I finally have an opportunity to emancipate myself from something I attempted to leave over six years ago and on terms I can agree to. I have made no admission. This is not an act of concession. There are no restrictions or gags with respect to my voice moving forward. Very interesting. So if she were to say the same thing moving forward, could he sue her again for defamation? These are just questions I'm asking. I make this decision, I, I make this decision, have lost faith in the American legal system where my unprotected testimony served as entertainment and social media fodder. When I took before a judge in the UK... And of course, she was just a witness in the UK. I was vindicated by a robust... Oh, we just lost it there. Um, uh, I was vindicated by a robust, impartial, and fair system where I was protected from having to give the worst moments of my testimony in front of the world's media and where the court found that I was subjected to de uh, domestic and sexual violence. In the US, however, I exhausted almost all my resources in advance of and during a trial in which I was subject to a courtroom in which abundant direct evidence that corroborated my testimony was excluded and in which popularity and power mattered more than reason and due process. In the interim, I was exposed to a type of humiliation that I simply cannot relive. Even if my US appeal is successful, the best outcome would be a retrial where a new jury would have to consider the evidence age. I simply cannot go through that for a third time. Time is precious, and I want to spend my time productively and purposefully. For too many years, I've been caged in an arduous and expensive legal process, which has shown itself unable to protect me and my right to free speech. I cannot afford to risk an impossible bill, one that is not just financial, but also psychological, physical, and emotional. Women shouldn't have to face abuse or bankruptcy for speaking her truth, but unfortunately, it is not uncommon. In settling this case, I'm choosing the freedom to dedicate my time to the work that helped me heal after my divorce, work that exists in realms in which I feel seen, heard, and believed, and in which I know I can affect change. I will not be threatened, disheartened, or dissuaded by what happened from speaking the truth. No one can and no one will take that from me. My voice forever remains the most valuable asset I have. I'd like to thank my outstanding ap ap appellate and original trial teams for their relentless hard work. I want to thank everyone who has supported me, and I turn my attention to the growing support that I felt and seen public in the months since trial and the efforts have been made to show solidarity with my story. Any survivor knows that the ability to tell their story often feels like the only relief. I cannot find enough words to tell you the hope your belief in me inspires, not just for me, but for all of you. Thank you. See you soon. And that's Amber's um, position, that she never admitted to doing something wrong, and that she feels like this uh, this sort of uh, verdict against her is a verdict against all women who speak out against their issues. I do believe that there was due process. We got to watch the due process play out. 
Well, that's going to do it for me. Another episode of Bachelor Rush Hour. I've been Dave Neal. Oh, and guess what? If you want to check out some more content on my Instagram, I've been posting some stand-up clips from my trip to New York City. Here's a quick clip for you guys. A little celebration for sticking around to the end. Doing some crowd work with an audience member at my show at Westside Comedy Club in Upper West Side of New York City. Have a listen. 80s? Yeah, thank you. No? No? 90s, 70s? I can't tell with that mustache. Were you... You're born in 98? I'm fucking old. Okay. The mustache, you just can't tell. You. What do you do for work? He's a risk analyst. Yeah, you got like Paul Bart risk analyst energy. I like that. But don't wear the mustache if you don't want a Paul Bart joke. That's on you, man. Are you guys married or dating? Dating two years, ten months. Two years? Oh, look at this. I like it. Give it up for a fucking risk analyst, Paul, over here. Do you understand the level of risk he didn't take by telling me the exact amount of months? He told me how long he was in that relationship like it's a child. 58 months, no days. Risk analyzed, 0%. So how long you been together? You're gonna need to hire this guy right there. All I heard was five years, question mark. All right, so that's it. That's a little clip for you guys. I appreciate everybody, and a special shout-out to a member of our Bachelor community, Griselda, who just announced that she's been away because she had a baby. Griselda, welcome home, baby. We wish you and baby Griselda so much love during the Christmas season. Also, I didn't mention it here. I mentioned it on the YouTube. Happy Hanukkah to everybody out there. Hanukkah has begun. And that's going to do it for me. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Bachelor Rush Hour. Oh